Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I'm your host as always, Alan Ramich. Join with me today is, he is, I personally, I put him as Lakers Twitter follow number one, my man Kolb. How are you doing today, sir? How are you keeping? Hey, my brother. Thank you for having me on, you know. All-star break. We'll talk about the Lakers, see how we feel about everything. I'm excited. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. If you guys didn't realize the Lakers are absolute trash and we are absolute... I'm joking. Like, I, I, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. You should see Cole's face right now. <laughs> don't, say, don't set me up like that, bro. <laughs> you should have seen his face, guys. That, I, I wish I recorded that part. <laughs> but yeah, in all seriousness... The Lakers haven't been trying the first half of the year. Um, there's been some great moments from it. I just want to get, what what did you make of the first half of the year? Your biggest takeaways, something like that. Um, To be honest, not, not too much to take away from the first half of the year, except they're coasting. And they're just trying to make sure that everybody's healthy when the playoffs roll around. There have been games where it really feels like they're not trying. Like they, they don't care. They're they just trying to make sure nobody gets hurt. And then AD ends up getting hurt anyway. So it's kind of like, uh, but my only takeaways are that they just want to make sure they get to the postseason healthy. So when the games actually matter, they can do what they need to do. And I think I, I, I'm on, I'm, I'm absolutely on your side when it comes to that, especially with the Lakers and, uh, the the games against Detroit and Oklahoma City are the ones that like stick out to me as the games that they absolutely didn't care about. The games in LA, because when they wanted to play, they blew them off the floor. Like they went on like ten zero runs in like thirty seconds and shit. It was it was really obvious. Like when they actually decided to play and just like sweep them off the floor. But then that do you remember the play against the Wizards where LeBron just pulls up in overtime from the Staples Center logo and people are like if it goes in, it goes in. That was the biggest I'm trying to get out of here shot I have ever seen. Yep. Like he, he legit was just like, I was like, all right, man, like I don't care. Like it is what it is. I just want to go home. Whoever won the in, game, who cares? It's like if it goes in, it goes in. That's great. If it doesn't, that's great too, because I just want to get out of here. <laughs> he wants to beat his Amari Studemeyer wine buff at that point. It's so funny just like watching the timeline every single like just like die over every loss like every single game that goes on. I'm like, bro, y'all should not be more invested in these games than these players are, man. Like they don't care. Like just like watch that they do not care about being out here. <laughs> and I don't blame them. I know shortest offseason, shortest offseason ever, you know they know what they can do when they're at full strength. And when they're trying at a hundred percent, like that's a title contending team. It's just a regular season. It's not that big of a deal. Like it is what it is. It's not, not even a title contending team. When, when, when the Lakers are fully engaged and everyone's healthy, I don't think there's a, even with uh KD with Harden, with Kyrie, as all teams are currently constituted today, there's not a team that can beat the Lakers. Like defensively, they're just too good for everyone. That's my biggest opinion. And that's because they have Frank Vogel and LeBron and AD and Marc Gasol and Dennis Schroeder, who has been an all-NBA defender, but people want to ignore that because I don't know why. I don't know how you feel, man, but the whole like um, Dennis Schroeder conversation is weird because I think he's been phenomenal since he... like Offensively, he's had some rough stretches, but everyone has this year. On the whole, he's been worth the trade like 20 times over. He's been phenomenal for us. I think the big thing with Schroeder is that people know he he finished second in six-man of the year last year. So I feel like they were expecting everything he was doing on offense as far as like the way he's able to score and just like get buckets from wherever. I don't think people thought that he was that good of a defender before he came here. And I think that in the first half of the year, people were saying that he he really locks up whoever his assignment is on defense. He takes it very seriously, and he he's taken a couple really good point guards out of games so far, like the first half of the year. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry. My, my, my throat was a little dry there. He locked up stuff. He he locked up stuff. 
and especially that that last the latest game, he really took him out the game. Steph was talking about five years of people not being able to do anything to him. <laughs> like Steph was shook after that game. It was bad. It I felt bad for Steph, man. He was on top of the world for like five years, and now he's playing with. He's depending on Andrew Wiggins and a bunch of guys who should be in NBA rotations to to get him over the hump, and it's just sad now. Listen, Andrew Wiggins isn't the issue. It's like, I, I think we need to have a serious conversation about the Golden State Warriors being light years ahead of people when all they did was just add KD. But hey-ho. It's, it is what it is, man. They miss him now. KD doesn't miss them, though. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I as, a, as a selfish basketball dude, I would have always preferred to have seen uh, Steph and KD over KD and Kyrie. But it is what it is, like you say. KD's in Brooklyn enjoying himself. And that's from a very good source there, guys, by the way. Hey, I mean, look at what's going on. Look at what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're the best team in the East. It's obvious. They just got Blake Griffin, so they're going to be even better. They're probably going to get somebody else. Who knows? Hopefully it's not Andre Drummond. That's the rumor. Hopefully, like, that's that's what's been floating around on the timeline. Hopefully that's that's not a thing. I live in Cleveland, so I, I know he's going to – He's going to be out of here soon. I just hope he doesn't go to Brooklyn. He's not like, let's just touch. I know we said we're going to touch on buyouts at the end of the, the end of the episode, but I think Andre Drummond, you mentioned that is a nice segue to that just so we can touch on it a little bit because I want to touch on Drummond. I don't think he gets bought out by Cleveland. The only way he ends up on a Brooklyn is a, if they trade for him, which they can't because that would then involve trading like Joe Harris and stuff. And they're not going to trade Joe Harris. Um, the only way I can see Drummond ending up on the Nets is if he gets traded to a worse team and then they just buy him out outright. I don't know how you feel about that. but So what I've been reading is that the, and what, I, what I've seen on the timeline is that the Cavs are trying to trade him to Toronto mm-hmm. and they've had discussions and, the, and the, they've been like ongoing or whatever. For a long time, I'm not entirely sure what the deal would actually look like. I feel like it's just like a bunch of players on expiring deals coming to Cleveland, and then them just shipping Drummond off to the Raptors. Uh that's probably the only way I could see him not being on the Cavs. I just don't see that he's an expiring deal worth what, like twenty eight million dollars or something like that. A ton so of money. That's a ton of money. So that's, I guess teams will probably look at that as an opportunity to get a whole bunch of guys off the books really quick. And just like just deal with this guy for the second half of the year. If he's good, that's great. If he's not, he's gone, and he can do whatever he wants. I feel like that's more of how that's going to go. I feel like that's more of how the Cavs are going to handle that, as opposed to just saying, "Okay, we'll buy you out for ten mil of your twenty-eight or whatever it is, or whatever the number is. You can just go wherever." And then him just going on the Nets, and then the Nets running through the East. Yeah, and. Like, like we were talking about before we started recording, Dan Gilbert doesn't have a history of doing that either. Dan Gilbert's very much, we've got you under contract. Unless we can trade you somewhere, you're not going anywhere. Like, that's what Dan Gilbert is. And, you know, Dan Gilbert is a lot of things. But he never buys people out. Like, I don't remember the last time Cleveland bought someone out that wasn't named Derrick Rose. Like, they even traded Dwayne Wade. They didn't even want to buy him out. They made Miami trade for him. This is my thing about that, though. So, if you want to get rid of him, or if you want to trade him, I feel like benching him and not playing him for weird. like a month and a half when you're trying to get rid- like you don't want to like showcase him, have him like help you win a couple games, maybe make a team be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we can make this work instead of just like literally just sitting him and pretending he's not on the team anymore. That to me didn't make sense. Like just throw him out there for a, a couple more a couple more weeks, like until All Star break. Like they could yeah. Like have him have him put up twenty and seventeen for three more weeks and make a team like you know what we could use that even though you know people feel differently about you know what happened there I I I legitimately believe that they probably had something close so they went we're gonna sit him because a deal's close and then whatever they had didn't come to fruition because that's what it seems like to me it's not like a Blake Griffin thing where they were like. We know we're going to get a buyout because no one's going to pay Blake Griffin $40 million next year to play basketball, like real talk. Um, but 
Yeah, like that's the only thing I think with the whole Drummond thing, the way that transpired is I just don't think that I think they they thought something was close, it didn't transpire, but then they didn't want to seem weak to bring him back into the rotation. That's just like it's just so Cleveland. Good. So yeah, yeah, really. Just no offense. I know you're from Cleveland Cole, but you're a Laker dude, so listen, man. Slandering the Cavs, if you if you want to do that, feel free. I like <laughs> I I try to support Cleveland sports as much as I can, but they've just made some decisions that I just don't I, like. The Kevin Love extension, first and foremost, zero sense. Never made sense when they did it. it makes even less sense now. Get your like, money, K Love. Hey, I'm hey I'm happy for him. You know, get your bread if they're gonna give it to you. But from lately, looking at looking at it from an organizational standpoint, why would you? You know, you're gonna be rebuilding. They got a they got that pick from the Nets that ended up being Colin Sexton. They didn't trade it when they had LeBron on the team. So clearly they, they knew they were gonna have to be rebuilding. So why would you give this man an extension knowing that you're gonna have to go through a rebuild? It's like they tried to stay competitive and rebuild at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah. And that's that never works. The NBA is not built like that. It's not the NFL. Unless you get really lucky. Unless you get really, really lucky with some stuff. And you draft the Luca. Like yeah, unless you're unless you're drafting like a generational talent kind of guy, it's not gonna work. I love Colin Sexton. He's not Luca or no. one of those kind of guys. Like, he, like he's not like a LeBron or a Luca. He's or, not or Lamelo Ball. He's not, and that's okay. He's great. Like he's he's a very very good young player for sure. So is Darius Garland. I like Isaac Curl a lot. I think Jared Allen is gonna be really good. I like Larry Nance, Jedi Osman. It's a fun team. They got some. They got some decent guys on the team. You know what I'm saying? But none of those are like turn your franchise around by themselves kind of guys. No, I agree. No, I, I definitely agree. So I think we're we're in agreement there, where we don't see Drummond being bought out by the Cavs. It would have to be being traded elsewhere. But then if he goes to Toronto, Toronto isn't buying him out, especially not for him to go to Brooklyn, because I think that's the most obvious landing spot for him. Yeah, like if he go, if he goes to the Nets, just just being honest about the situation, if he goes to the Nets, they're probably gonna sweep these. To be honest, like I, if the only team that can take a couple of games off him is Miami that way. But even then, it's like there's no, it's not a real opportunity to beat them. Uh, like Philly, like if they, as currently constructed, like looking at all the other teams in the East, mm-hmm. the team that probably could, probably can give them the most problems is Philly just because they don't have anybody who can guard Joel right now. But if they get Drummond, not saying that he would like full blown stop Joel from doing anything, but he'll at least make him work for things. And then if he, if he's make if the biggest advantage has to like work to get his points and like get his offense, they're going to sweep that team. Oh, a hundred percent. I agree with you there. There's too much offensive firepower. Like that, that that's my biggest thing. But also, like just to, just a segue back to the Lakers, um, the biggest takeaway for me, alongside everything that we talked about, because you know Andre Drummond, you you had your nine minutes of the Lakers side chats. That's enough talk of Andre Drummond. Um, <laughs> as, as much as I like the dude, and you know, that's enough ch- Andre Drummond chat. Um, with the Lakers, the biggest takeaway for me is Frank Vogel wants to show absolutely nothing during the regular season. Like zero. And people still aren't getting that. And I don't get why, because he's like, same thing last year. Like we were really good because we tried, not because we were doing things that were, we weren't out coaching teams. We were just playing hard. Like, and we had LeBron and AD. I don't know what you think, but Vogel's always been that type of coach. And he comes alive in the playoffs. He came alive last season. That's why I'm, I'm not like ready to kill him. Like a whole bunch of people are. He's, he's very vanilla during the regular season. Like right now, he's not getting the most out of Trez offensively, I don't think, at all. And Trez is still averaging what, like 14, 15 yeah. a game, something like that. So 14. I think people I think the biggest the biggest issue with the Lakers isn't even really with the Lakers. It's just kind of like everybody's perception of what they should be doing as opposed to what's actually happening. Like I think everybody thought they would just be like dominating the regular season. Or like people thought that they were gonna be dominating the regular season. And like be the runaway, like number one seed in the West, and just doing all these different things that were never going to happen coming off the shortest offseason in NBA history. If it was a regular offseason, I think we'd absolutely be seeing that stuff. 
like a hundred percent. But I don't want LeBron to be going a hundred percent off forty days off. Like realistically, like it it doesn't make any sense. They weren't. They were never going the way that this season was set up and structured. They were going to prioritizing making sure everybody was healthy, making sure everybody's in shape, make sure everybody's good when the playoffs come. And the regular season is what it is. The Lakers could be the eighth seed in the West. If they're completely healthy, it's not going to matter. They're, they're, they're going to go to the finals. The, the most that a team's going to get off them is five games in the West. Like the only, the only team, the only team in the West, I think is a serious, like serious issue for them is the Clippers. And even then it's like, I don't think they're that big of an issue. Well, just to touch on the Clippers, because I think I agree with you. I think it goes the Clippers than the Jazz because I think the Jazz remind me a lot of Atlanta mm-hmm. years back. I was just about to say they remind me of that Hawks team. But I think Donovan Mitchell is better than any player Atlanta had. I agree with that too. So I think that's why they worry me. That's why they would worry me more than that. I even think Mike Conley is better than any player that they had. Like, realistically, I think he's better than Jeff Teague. Actually, no. Paul Millsap in his prime was really good. I take that back. Al Horford was on that Al Horford was on that team too, right? Yeah, but I, I'd, I'd rather have Conley over Horford, personally. Man. Prime Al Horford. Prime Al Horford was a good was a really good player, though. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't really like show this side of me because he plays for the Jazz and it's fucked the Jazz all the way. Um I, I really love Mike Conley. Like that was really good. Like, he was like before he got before he got the bag, before he got like super maxed out, I always thought that he was like one of the like consistently one of the three most underrated players in the league for he a really, really bag. long time. Even when he got the bag, he was still underrated. Yeah, <laughs> like, very. Like but, but once you once you get paid like that, you officially you officially become overpaid. Yeah. Unless like, you look like, already like, yeah, like once you get bags like that, you go from being underrated to overpaid. But that's okay because I would I would rather be overpaid too. But he's always been like a very underrated, like very solid, really good player for a very long time. So I agree with you; they're better than the Atlanta team. So that's why they worry me. I think they'd beat the Clippers in a seven game series. And yeah. I'll tell you why. I think Ibaka's gone. If I'm honest with you. I think he will. He's good in spurts now. Like watch his production month by month. Look at his production from December to this past month. He's shooting thirty-one percent from free. He just put him in a pick and roll. Like Ibaka can't guard anyone in a pick and roll anymore. Um, I think Paul George is already showing playoff form. And sorry for all the Paul George lovers out there. We slander Paul George on this podcast like a lot. So like. Please, if, if if you're offended, please stop listening. Um, like this isn't the NBA Twitter the timeline. Um, you can come at me afterwards, but like the only guy who I trust on that Clippers team still is Kawhi Leonard. Like he's the only one. Now, is Tyloo a coaching upgrade over Doc Rivers? Some people say he is. I think he is. I think he is for sure. Offensively, I, I definitely think he is offensively. Defensively, it's a question, but then I trust the people he has on his staff. So I think the overall staff is an upgrade. Um, so I can I can see where people are coming from there. Um, Doc Rivers is also overrated as a coach, even though even though I I like Doc Rivers as a, as a person. So him being the coach of the Celtics and Clippers was really like um, it bothered me for a bit that I couldn't like outwardly like him. But I agree with you. I do think that Ty Lue and that whole coaching staff that he has now with like Chauncey Billups and uh, he has Kenny Atkinson on there amongst other people. So it's a really strong coaching staff he has there as well. So I think like just looking at the Clippers and, and kind of the production of guys, I, th- I think the last time I, I checked on whatever they were doing over there, they had like six guys shooting over 40% from three or something like that. They've all cooled off. They've all cooled. They've all cooled off since then. Yeah, yeah. Back when I looked at it, I was like, "Wow, they got like six or seven guys in forty percent for three. They're, like, they're they're playing really well." But I still think offensively, they're just better than they were last season. I like, agree. I think, I think the way that Ty Lue has kind of like set up the offense is better and more conducive to playoff success mm-hmm. than they were last season. But at the end of the day, they're gonna like Paul George has to come through for them for them to do for for them to win a title. Paul George has to be great. And consistently. I don't- 
in the postseason, and he just hasn't shown that he can do that. If they if they get into a situation where they like a winner go home situation, he has never shown that he could come through. No, for I you. agree with you. And if you're de- if you're depending on him to get you past LeBron James and Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, you it's probably not going to happen. I trust Donovan Mitchell more in that situation. Like we saw, like. If it wasn't for Jokic last year, like let's be real, I know Jamal Murray played really well, but like Nikola Jokic is just all world. Like this dude is probably top five. I, top five, I'd say so. I, I, I get hate for it. They go, it's because you're from the same part of the world. It's not. Nikola Jokic is just that good. Luka Doncic also a top ten player while we're there, but people aren't ready for that conversation yet. Um, people have been ready for that conversation, I would say. Oh. Not if your name's Rashad Phillips, but I digress. Um, Shout out Rashad, that's a good guy. <laughs> Apart from his Luca takes. That, that's what all, we've all been wrong. We have all been wrong before. Just accept it. We've all been wrong before. He was wrong about that. Shad is a good guy. He was just wrong yeah, about no, that. Definitely. I, I still follow him. Like, but, but he just needs to admit when he's wrong. Like, that's my big, like, we, we were talking about this before another another little um, sidebar. We were talking about this before we got onto the podcast. How much more enjoyable would NBA Twitter be if people just admitted they were wrong more? Like it'll be great. Just say just say you were wrong. That's it. Everybody's wrong. Like literally, everybody has been wrong about something. I, I I thought Vogel would be fired within six months, and he turns out to be like one of the top ten coaches, top five coaches in the NBA. I'm wrong. It's great what a title. Won a title, like it's being wrong is okay. Luca is great. Everybody loves Luca. It's like he's a monster. It's what it is. He's gonna be the best player in the NBA in like three years time. Like it's fine. He absolutely could be, and that is okay. I like watching him play basketball. It, it, it's great. It's great. I need to have Rashad Phillips on the show sometime because I I just need to admit I need to get get him to admit that he was wrong on a public platform on a safe platform as well. Like I just want he, I I want him. To just kind of like break down what he saw, yeah, why, it, why he didn't think Luca because I like shot like sh- the way that he evaluates basketball players, like shot is smart. He really yeah, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. So I just want to know like like where did he come? Like why did he think that way? Like and what has he seen since? Because even Gilbert Arenas, like Gilbert Arenas, was on a show and he thought that Luca would struggle, you know, and he said that he, I was wrong, hundred percent. I was wrong about that. Luke is a monster. He's great. So I, 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 I can tell you why they think that they struggle, but then I don't get it with Rashad because they played in Europe. So it makes no sense to me why he'd think he'd struggle. Like, because Rashad should know that these European guys are tough, like more so than like other NBA guys who haven't been in Europe. Like, that's my opinion on it. I think I think people in America, especially guys like Gilbert Arenas or I don't know, name anyone who thought Luca wouldn't be good who didn't play in Europe. People have this idea that European players aren't as tough as the Americans, or because they're not as athletic, their skill set won't show up. Even though, like we've seen with Jokic, we've seen with Luca, that these guys are just like skill-wise. If you just take athleticism out of it, they're probably the, the two most skilled players in the NBA. Like you don't get a seven-one guy like that being able to do what Nikola Jokic does with basketball, like realistically. Athleticism is great. That is a, it's a wonderful thing for athletes and basketball players and whatever other, you know, whatever other sports to have. But as it pertains to basketball, guys who can actually play basketball and like have like basketball skills, just to me personally are, are guys that I would rather have as opposed to guys who are just like super athletic, but don't necessarily have, skills i i agree with you like a hundred percent like i'd always i'd rather always have a tyrese halliburton over a killian hayes for that's just me like and i understand the like the hype over killian hayes and we've gone off on a real tangent here but i don't mind um but i'd always rather have the guy with basketball skill like you say and you can get him to be athletic to an extent than the athletic guy who may never get to be this really good basketball player and then sometimes you have the athletic guys who may not have all the basketball skills in the world, but then they develop them down the line. And then you've got like perfect basketball players. Giannis. Well, LeBron well, James. Hey, well, you, people know how I feel about Giannis, but I, f- I feel what you're saying. 
Anthony Davis. If someone told you in 2012 AD would be the best mid-range shooter out of any big in the NBA, you wouldn't believe him. You wouldn't believe him at all. At all. Like, that kid into Kentucky? No. No way at all. But, yeah, so moving back to the Lakers, and is there anything that particularly worries you, or is there any players that have impressed you more so than others? I know you said that they've coasted, but is there any players that have worried you more than others or impressed you more than others so far? Impressed me for sure, Kuz. Oh, 100%. I think I think that's the obvious one. He, let's be honest, people were giving Kuz a lot of shit, myself included. Last Same. season, like everybody was giving Kuz a lot of shit, but this season, the way that he's defended and rebounded, especially offensively, he's just been a different player, like a winning player, as as some people would say. Like he, he's not a guy who just looks to score and just try to have an impact on the team just by scoring a bunch. He does everything. I see him make he makes the extra pass. He makes like he tries to grab offensive rebounds. He defends at a a very high level, especially compared to where he used to be when he when the Lakers first drafted him. He's been he's been fantastic this season. And I I did not see that coming. No, neither did I. And it's stuff that's easier easily repeatable as well. He's trying more on defense. He like he always like I don't know if you remember the game so before we went into the COVID lockdown, the game against the Celtics where he was guarding Tatum. He was the only dude that evening who could guard Jason Tatum and stop him from scoring. Like when, when Kuzma was on Tatum, Tatum wasn't scoring. Like he always had it in his bag that he could defend. We're just doing it in, in over a more consistent basis now. And I think in particular, his off-ball instincts defensively have improved so much that it's not such a big drop-off between the on-ball and off-ball as it was in previous seasons. Like, I think that was the biggest issue with Kuz. Like, he'd be really good on-ball, then he'd switch off off-ball and someone would score. Or like something stupid, like a cut, and he doesn't just rotate over in time. Um, Rebounding-wise, he has been phenomenal. Like, really, 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 really phenomenal. Like offensively and defensive rebounds, been really, really good. And I, I, I don't know about you. I know we didn't sign the biggest contract in the world, but to have three years, forty million in your bank, guaranteed essentially, is a nice feeling to have for a player. And when you look at that deal, it's kind of like when he when he first signed that extension. Because he signed that extension before they before they started anything, and people were like, "Oh, so he's they're probably just going to use that to trade him next season." Blah blah blah. But now I'm kind of looking at it like, man, having this kind of a player on that deal on that deal is kind of is kind of sweet for like the next three years. I'm not going to lie. Like I would, I would. Kuz has played so well. We've gone from hey, maybe we could put him in a deal for Bradley Beal or whoever or Zach Levine. Like a billion percent. Oh, of course, of course. But like, and if he can't get, if we can't get one of those guys, the Lakers can't get one of those guys. Like, just to have him, I'm like, yeah, that, that's cool. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, he's for thirteen million dollars a year. You'll be hard pressed to find a player as good as Cal Kuzma, in my opinion, anyway. Like, he's good. Like, he's a good rotational player now on a on a championship contending team. Like, should would would he prefer to be a starter? I think so. Like, I think he he would probably tell you that as well. But the difference between year four coups and year two coups is, I think year two coups um, sulks about it, and not sulks in a bad way, just sulks in the sense that he's a kid who wants to start every game, and you can tell his body language. Now it's the same efforts, the same energy, the same type of production whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. Just when he does start, that means either one of AD or LeBron is out. So he gets more of an opportunity to shoot the ball a bit more. So his stats are a little bit higher when it comes to like counting numbers. But I think it's the same player now. Like I really do. Like I watch starter coups and I watch bench coups, and it's the same dude for me. It's just different roles. The effort is consistent now. No matter what's going on or whether he started to come off the bench, the effort is consistent. The effort across the board, I think, is the important thing. Is consistent on defense, rebounding, trying to get other guys involved, and then if he's open, obviously he's going to shoot. And he still stays engaged no matter what's going on. Whether he gets five shots or he gets 15 shots, he's engaged the entire time. 
and it's just made a dramatic difference on his impact on the basketball team. And the Lakers are better for it. So he's definitely been the most impressive guy this season to me. Most disappointing guy? Um, I don't well, know if I... Like it's it's a bad word. It's it's maybe not as performed well as other people because it's not really disappointing. There are some players who haven't performed as well as I would have thought they would before the season started, but not in the way that I think they've just been a bust or they've been really really bad. Just they've not been as good as I anticipated them to be. If you get me, okay. So a guy who hasn't been as good as I thought he would be so far, the guy I guess it has to be Keith. Yeah, like, Markeith hasn't. The way that he played in the bubble and the way that he's playing now, two totally different players. Well, I, what I will say about Keith is the last two weeks, he's been really good. He has like, been really good. He is turning around now, which is a good thing. But up to this point, like if there's, if there's anybody I guess you have to point to, it's him. Um, another guy I saw people complaining about on Twitter that I don't necessarily feel the same way about, Wesley Matthews. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Like Wes's defense has been consistently good this year. It's just he's going for a shooting slump at the moment. I, I think the biggest thing with the Lakers is they have a whole bunch of guys who are shooters who are all in slumps right now. Yeah. Like KCP's in a slump. Uh, Wesley Matthews in a slump. AC was in a slump. AC was in a slump before he's kind of sort of breaking out of it, but still like not all the way there. THT like, was in a slump. Everybody was in a slump. It's like everybody was in a slump at the same time. And it make the offense look ho- like horrible, terrible. And AD and Trudeau were both out as well. Yeah, so then that compounded it even more. And the team just looked like a lottery team, even with LeBron on it. And like I'm not, I'm not really worried about any of those guys. To be completely honest, I think a lot of the, uh, Wesley, especially, is a guy like when the playoffs come around, Trust he's going to be big. He's going to be big for this team. Like they're going, they're going to need him to play significantly more minutes than he's playing right now, just so he can guard wing players. Like they're going to need him when they have to throw somebody at Kawhi, KD, James Harden, Paul George, like they're going to need Wesley to, to play well. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about anybody. And it's good to see Keith like starting to turn around because he was the one guy where I was like, yo, it's like, what's kind of going on? Like with Keith, I, I, I can't lie. Everyone who knows me knows that I'm, I'm like the number one Markeith Morris guy in the entire world. I, I love Markeith Morris. And even for me, it was becoming like, bro, like <laughs> I can't defend you anymore. Like <laughs> it was just bad. Like it was. And w- with Keith, I'm, I'm, it's why I'm not, I know Brooklyn getting Blake is good for Brooklyn just because it adds more depth, because let's be real, they were like seven NBA players in DeAndre Jordan. Sorry, DeAndre. Um, but like, DeAndre is like, DeAndre Jordan as a person is still really cool. Like, th- that's the one thing I hated about the Clippers a few years ago, sidebar, is they had re- two really cool guys in Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. They played for the Clippers and you're in LA. Like, sorry about that. <laughs> they were just in the wrong franchise. Like, imagine them two playing for the Lakers. Man. Like, the, the, the stars the would have been. A lot of guys, the Clippers have had a lot of guys over, like, the last decade that I wish played for the Lakers, to be honest. But, like, just think of them, like, because obviously Blake Griffin's still a huge star. Imagine if he was doing that for the Lakers instead of the Clippers in LA. Like, that's it. That when we talk about megastars, Blake Griffin would be a megastar right now. Man, like so many, so many Clippers should have been Lakers. Chris Paul should have been a Laker. Fuck David Stern. I don't speak to <laughs> the dead, but real talk. Every Laker fan understands. <laughs> Every Lakers fan understands. We'll never forgive David Stern for what he did. But May he rest in peace. Oh uh, yeah, obviously. May he rest in peace. But yeah, man, I just I don't know. Like I'm looking around. I'm looking at the landscape across the league, and just like Blake going to the Nets feels kind of weird to me. To it's be not, honest, it's not, it's not. It's for what the Nets needed. I understand getting talent. If a guy like Blake Griffin becomes available and he wants to join your team, you don't say no. Like, that's my biggest takeaway on Blake. If he wants to join your team, you don't say no to him, especially on a deal where he'll be playing significantly under his value. Um, you don't say no to him, but it's not what that team needed. 
if you get me. Like, they didn't need Blake. What's his role on the team? His role on the team is basically Jeff Green's role right now, Precisely. Isn't it? That's what I was about, literally about to say. They've already got Jeff Green. So you're either cutting Jeff Green's minutes down or you're going to try and get Blake Griffin to guard fives and that's not going to go well. That's why, that's why I'm just like, where, like what's, his, what's his role on the team? Because they got Nick Claxton back. Nick Claxton, to me, is a guy who's really good. Oh, he's looked really good. He's really good. I think they, I think he mostly solves their issue at the five. If you consider it like if you consider it a problem with them guarding bigs, I think the classic can help with that a lot. But like what's the what's the role in the team? Does he just is he just like, the leader of the bench unit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what does he do? Because they already have a guy who does what he would do, theoretically. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like you just have two of those guys now. Well, but then it's the same thing with the Lakers, though. Like he doesn't, he wouldn't have really have had a pronounced role at the Lakers either. It just would have been another guy that is just super talented, and the Lakers had him and try and figure it out, which isn't a bad thing. Like in the NBA, if you've just got more talent than most people, then ninety-five percent of the time you beat that team. Like let's be real about it. Um, but I think, I think a team like. I don't know. Like a team like Portland would have probably been better off for Blake just as a fit. Like a team like Portland would have been better off because you have a guy like Nurkic there, so you can slide Blake to the four. And I know they have Melo, but I think at this point in their careers, like you'd rather have Blake Griffin over Camelo Anthony, even though Melo's good for him. Like I think as a rotation dude, I think Melo's fine now um, because Melo's awesome and people were really like. And I also think Melo's finally accepted his role, which is the most important thing. I think a team like Portland would have been good for him. I think a team like Dallas would have been good for Blake because him and Luca would have been as a pick and pop for it. But then you still have Porzingis there. Blake's just a weird fit, like for all the contenders, really. Apart from Miami, I think he would have fit really well in Miami. Yeah, it's just I get going to the Nets though because yeah, yeah, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna if you're gonna go to a team in the East, go to the team that's the most likely to come out. And get to the finals. Hundred percent understand. I would have did the same thing. They're definitely like. I don't see a team that's going to beat them. Just mm-hmm. being completely honest, I don't see a team that's going to beat them in the East now. People can say that like they're not that great defensively, and yeah, sure, I, like that defense isn't the greatest in the world. But can you outscore them? Is is literally all it comes down to. And so far, the answer has been no. So like, I no. get why he did that, but just looking at like other guys who are going to get bought out. There's not many. Ah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot out there. You know what I'm saying? Whole, at least well, that we not not that we know of. The whole playing tournament, the seven to ten playing tournaments, really killed the buyout market. It's been my biggest assessment. Like, what? There's Detroit who'll buy players out. There's Sacramento, Minnesota. Yeah, because you're just looking at the teams that are 11 through 15. But, but then even like the 11th seed, you, you can't like count him because they're like really close to the 10th. So they have a chance to get in the playoffs. Yeah, like, so now it's like, now it's 12 to 15. We're exactly. going to be buyout guys. So like who, who of those teams are going to buy guys? Like I heard, I saw like maybe like the Kings are going to try to get rid of Harrison Barnes. I think that's interesting for contenders, but you probably want to trade for him. Because so, he's still like, left. Yeah. Team. So like even then, like I don't think I don't know what the Lakers are going to do to try to make like improve this team. People were saying they're going to trade Trez. I don't see why. Like it, it doesn't really make sense to me. Like, like I, I agree with you. It doesn't make sense to me either. Only in the sense that I think Montrez Harrell. We we agree that the Lakers haven't utilized him, but it isn't because they don't know how to utilize him. I think people. I think you have to be really stupid not to know how to utilize Montrez Harrell. Um. But I think it's more so that they're saving stuff for the playoffs, like we talked about with Ogle earlier. Um, I, I'm 100% trusting in Trez. And I don't think defensively he's a liability either. I think Trez is really, really good defensively when you put him in the right spots. That's a, that's another thing that I, for, I forgot to touch on as far as like got things that have surprised me so far in the first half of the season. Trez is a lot better defensively than people than people said he was. Like a lot better. People said that he's like unplayable. Like when the playoffs come, on, like you're not you're not going to be able to have him out there. And then the game against the Nuggets when he was guarding Jokic and he was like 
hanging in there and actually doing a decent job and not getting absolutely murdered like people thought he was going to be. That let me that pretty much let me know like he's not bad defensively. I just think Doc Rivers wasn't utilizing him utilizing him the correct way. And that's why he looked as bad as he did. He wanted Trez to play like a traditional five, which Trez isn't. And it's not a bad thing that he isn't. You just have to utilize Trez in that way. And when you do utilize him in that way, and then you have AD, which helps anyone, let's be real. AD is the best defensive player in the planet. Like, <laughs> there, there is no better player defensively than Anthony Davis when he's healthy. Even when he's like half healthy, he's still top five. Like, the dude's just ridiculous. Like, it, I, I'm not worried about this Laker team. The only, I could see the, the guys that I could see them targeting would be like a Hassan Whiteside if he gets bought out by Sacramento. Um, just a, a guy, a semi-athletic big, a role threat, a guy who realistically is different to Mark. He's not better. He's not better than Mark. But he is different in the sense that he provides a different type of defense. He's not as, he's not as good a defender, but he's a better shot blocker in the sense that he goes after uh, blocking shots a little more, whereas Mark just prefers to contest shots, which I, I don't think there's a right answer in that, by the way. I think whatever works better for your defense at that time, I think is just what you should do. But I could see them definitely going after like Hassan Whiteside and then if Trevor Ariza gets bought out. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, There's some chatter on the timeline about them trying to trade for Victor Oladipo because he was dressed in all Lakers stuff. On Friday, posted, yeah, he, he posted a picture of, of him and all Lakers stuff. I'm like, guys, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Unless he gets bought out, <laughs> yeah, like I, it's, that's not gonna happen. But Trevor Reese is cool. Like wings that can defend and hit threes will obviously be great. Another backup, like a, a rim protecting five, mostly just for depth and like matchup purposes. Yeah, that and that's that's pretty much all they need. And then just for the shooters to start hitting shots, which they will. I'm. I'm like, I'm not worried about KCP. I don't know about you. The guy's shown me he was worse last the start of last year. He was worse than what he is right now. And he came through still. So I'm not worried about KCP at all. I'm not worried about Wes at all. AC is, like you said, I think KC's bro- broke out of his funk. But I think AC's funk was more that he injured his wrist than anything else. So that injuring your right wrist when you're a right-handed shooter surprise surprise affects your shot Kolb. i did not know if you knew about that but you know i, I guess i guess it's good to be disingenuous on the timeline now um but i i digress um I, i'm i'm just i'm just annoyed at people who who who, who just want to disprove Ante- alex caruso being a good basketball player like it it's been like three years now we've seen it consistently he's a he's an elite defensive player who grows every year offensively? Like, can we just give this guy his flowers? Like, it, it's it's annoying. I've never seen so many people just like, especially on Lakers Twitter, just hating that we like players on the team. Or just like look, looking for every like any like little tiny thing to just like try to tear down on players. So like, bro, they just won a title like a couple months ago. Literally has like, not been in game six of the finals. Yeah, and he was a he, like he was a big reason why they blew the heat out. <laughs> like, like people just need to relax, man. It's not, it's not the same vibe or the same energy as last season where they hadn't won a title in in ten years, and they were just in a the lottery. They traded everybody for Anthony Davis except Kuz. People were saying that they weren't going to be that good. People were saying <laughs> the Clippers own. People were saying the Clippers own LA. Like I underst- I understood the energy and, and like why people were being the way they were last season. But they just they just won a title. They won a championship. It's the regular season. It's not that big of a deal. Like there's no reason. Nobody's saying they're bad or like every pretty much everybody said. Pretty much everybody said they're gonna come out of the West this season. Like even all the national guys said they're gonna be the team to beat. So we just we just gotta relax. Like, well, just to put things in perspective, they'd be first in the East or joint first with their record. Like we just need to relax. AD's been hurt. Like, AD's been hurt. Yeah, he, like, been hurt. Dennis was out for a little bit. Like, oh, everybody just needs to relax. Just like while we're on Dennis, the whole contact tracing thing in the NBA is ridiculous. Sorry, if you're testing negative every single day, why can't you play basketball? It makes no sense. 
the way Adam Silver has handled this entire thing, we haven't even we haven't even gotten up to All Star Weekend, which has just been a mess. And now Ben Simmons and Joel and B can't even play in the game because out everything's for a week. out for at least a week because we shouldn't even be having the game in the first place. It is a mess. It is what it is. But it's it's just it's just a lot, man. This whole season I feel like has just been like not very enjoyable and just kind of like annoying for everybody involved. Players, fans, people that are in like people that work in organizations. It's just kind of like been annoying. I I'm think just... I think all star like this all star break would have been the perfect time to just give everyone a week off. Everyone just reset your batteries. And then we go again. Like I think that that, that that that's my personal opinion. But then they got greedy and TNT wanted their ad money, so we are where we are. And Adam Silver, you know, wants his money as well. But like I said, we're not ready for that conversation yet. But I don't know about you, but this is the first. Like I can't lie, I'm not really a huge fan of the All Star Game, but. This is the first time since I started watching basketball when I was like three that I've not been excited at all to see anything in the All-Star. I'll, I'll probably still watch it. Like, I'm not being a hypocrite or anything. There's really not much to watch on English TV at 1am. Like, let's be real. Um, but like, I, I'm not excited to watch it like at all. Like zero. I don't care about the game. I don't care about the dunk contest. They only got like three guys and they're like three guys that we didn't even want to see do the dunk contest. You know what I'm saying? Um, three point shootout. I don't know if that's going, I, I think that's going on today. Yeah, it is. That's how, that's how bad it is. I don't even know. I don't even know what stuff is happening. Um, but I might watch that because that's probably going to be the most interesting of all the events. Maybe I'll watch the skills challenge. Maybe I'll watch that. Cause they got like, they got big men participating. Luca. It's, it's Luke, Luca's in there, right? So it's Luca's in there, Vucevic is in there. There's a ton of good guys in there. Yeah, I, I might watch that just to see if one of the big men can actually win because that makes it like a little bit more interesting. But yeah, man, I don't really care. I don't. I feel like nobody really cares, to be completely honest. Oh, and you know, they should just be giving them a break, but they're making them come to this super spreader event. Atlanta's wild. Like, if you haven't seen the videos, just type in Atlanta on Twitter. <laughs> it's wild out there, man. I feel like I feel like Atlanta's just wild in general. And then when you have All Stars in there, it's just kind of like a super spreader event. Then. It's like a super spreader event all throughout the city. Like it just it it, it really. Sense. I know I saw a video of like a, inside a club, just like standing room only. Had to be at least like a, a thousand people in there. No mass. Nothing, just having a right. good time. It just, I can't believe that he thought this was a good idea. <laughs> Whereas me in England's here, third month of a lockdown, third lockdown in, in a year. I've been in lockdown for seven out of the past 12 months. And I get to watch it. And the, those guys in Atlanta go wild. It's great. It really is. Like, hey, but hey ho, are you just a quick one to end? Are you worried about the Lakers, like at all? No, I'm not worried. Um, only thing, only thing I might slightly be worried about is just AD's health. Like, I just, I just want him to be healthy, but I'm not too worried about that. He's been out for what three weeks now. He's been out for three weeks. He'll be out for probably three more, at least, at least two more, and then hopefully he'll be ready to go, and the Lakers will be all good. So as long as I, I just want them to be healthy. As long as they're healthy, I'm not worried. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm the same with you. Like, as long as I'm not, I, I I never worry about LeBron James because it's LeBron James. He's the greatest player ever. Um, but like with AD, I'm not even worried about AD because I think the injury that he had. I think being a guy who's tore his Achilles twice, I I always err on the side of caution. But with Achilles things, it's weird. You don't feel weird. You don't feel pain until you hurt it, man. So there was there's a very real possibility that he decided to play because he didn't feel anything, and then he he niggled it. Like that happens, and you know, 
I can't wait to have him back because healthy AD is like one of the best players to watch in the NBA. Dude's ridiculous. Like he really is. And then Mark was rounded into form before all-star break. Dennis is great. I love it watching AC and THT play as well. Markeith was looking good. Kuz, I'm excited to see the second half of the season because the Lakers are going to start caring now. And that means we're going to see more fun games for us. The flip will be switched in the second half. They're going to start trying. They're going to start killing teams. That that like that stretch like right before the playoffs, like the like like those last like two three weeks of the season, for the last week where they just rest everyone. It's going to be so yeah, that those like those last like two or th- like those two or three weeks before the end of the season. That's when they're really going to start trying, and I cannot wait for that. I think they're going to start trying right out of the bat, but not going to be like. A, playoff form until like that them two three weeks i agree with you and then we're gonna see like the real might of this laker team and then in the playoffs when frank vogel decides to like open up his playbook it's going to be even more fun to watch so i'm i'm very excited Cole, where can the people find you in the social media world oh so i'm on twitter twitter is the only social media platform that i use because everything else is annoying instagram sucks facebook sucks um, I don't be on Snapchat. So you can just follow me on Twitter. It's underscore, 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 C-O-L-B, underscore, underscore, underscore. It used to be two before I got suspended. It is what it is. Um, But yeah, you can find me there. Also, I work for Wave TV. So you can follow me. You can follow Wave, and I will be doing stuff on the main page. And yeah, follow me there. And... I just want to thank you for coming on, Kolb. It's always a fun... Like, for people that don't know me and Kolb talk, like, all the time. So, it, like, literally all the time. So, it was nice to be able to do it in podcast form. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please be sure to follow Kolb's work. Give him a follow. Follow Wave TV as well. Have, have a look at his work there. Be sure to leave this podcast a five-star review. If you're not in Atlanta and you, and you still realize that there is a pandemic going on, please stay safe wear a mask. If you get the opportunity to vaccinate, please vaccinate. Take care, guys. Have a good evening.